the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast, for the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And today... We are uh, not just doing some kind of glass or some kind of other stuff. We're doing crystal, fancy crystal <laughs> stuff today, John. That's what we're doing, you know? Not plasticware, not silverware, crystal. That good uh, Waterford shit. Yeah, there you go. Which, incidentally, I've actually been to Waterford. Oh, okay. And so no, even higher, crystal. even higher than Waterford. We're doing <laughs> Billy crystal. That's the top tier crystal that we've got for everybody today. Marvelous. Marvelous, marvelous. Um, we are going to talk the 1991 comedy City Slickers and uh, the late 70s to early 80s sitcom Soap. Um, this is great. Like, I'm excited. Billy Crystal is a, he's a com- comedy legend. Yeah. And I mean, I think a lot of people, especially in like the late, you know, 90s and later on, they only kind of really... I remember, I guess I remember him mostly from, he did a lot of like Oscar hosting and things like other hosting stuff. Yeah. But his, his standup was hilarious. His TV, his movies, I guess I'm trying to think of like the last big thing he had analyze this maybe, maybe, um, yeah, I was, was oh well, Monsters Inc. The voice of okay, um, yeah, fair enough. That's pr- yeah, that's probably they probably know is like younger kids would only know him as Mike Wachowski. Yeah, so. that's fair, sure. But to a lot of us, Billy Crystal is up there with Bill Cosby, up there with Eddie Murphy, up there with a right. bunch of other guys. Is like the you know he's like almost like a Mount Rushmore type. You yeah, know, of, co- I mean, of comedian. In addition to. Seeing him in movies, TV shows, you know, um, a bunch. Of, I won't mention too much, but like the, um, I forget what exactly it was called. It was like Comic Relief. Comic yeah. Relief. The uh, it was like a, a, a um, uh, fundraiser. Fundraiser. Yeah, kind of like a fundraising thing for I think like the Cam Cam Neely Foundation or something like that. Okay. Um, okay. Cam Neely was a hockey player. Yeah, I know. I'm. I'm. I think that's who. It, it was either him. Or Dennis Leary, who did the Cam Neely Foundation. I can't remember okay. who did it. But, you know, they, they did a lot for, especially for, like, homeless and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was him, Robin Williams, and Whoopi Goldberg, who were the yes, three. That's right. And they, do, they would do stand-up. They would do skits, all kinds of stuff. And um, uh, if, you, if you never saw uh, Billy Crystal's eulogy for Robin Williams at the Oscars the year that he died, it was so heartfelt and heartbreaking. A lot, not long after that, he went on The View. Not that I watched The View regularly, but I watched that segment online of him and Whoopi talking about Robin and stuff like that. It's really, really good. But he's and he's still funny, and he's just he's he seems like a guy you want to know. Yeah, you want to hang out with him. Just let him talk. <laughs> you let him go off, and 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 you're gonna be laughing and crying by the end of it. Absolutely. So. All right. Well, uh, let's get our minds set back to 1991. John, what else happened that year? All right. So the film was released on June 7th, 1991. The Billboard Top 100 single was More Than Words by Extreme. More than words is all you have to do to make it real. Then you 
<laughs> more than words. I so it's on my '80s playlist. When it comes on, I almost always skip it. Yeah, you, you have to really be in the right mood, I think, to want to <laughs> listen to that one. It's not yeah. a bad song. I mean, it's sung very no. well. It's just not one of those ones that you want to listen to every time it comes on. Yep, uh, agreed. Perfectly said. Uh, top in the Nielsen ratings was the show Murphy Brown. Okay, yeah. Uh, released sometime around this time was the Sega classic Sonic the Hedgehog. Nice. Huge. The New York Times bestseller was a book called Loves Music, Loves to Dance by Higgins Clark. Author's name I've seen many, many times, mostly in airports. <laughs> I feel like I've seen, yeah, I've seen that name on books, but yeah. I've never looked at them, never no. don't know what their style is. Never had a desire to pick one up. Uh, and 1991 was the year PBS began producing the kids game show that we love so much. Where in the world is Carmen Sandiego? And they did, they did so after a National Geographic survey showed that a quarter of Americans couldn't find the USSR or the Pacific Ocean on a world map. Wow. Yeah, that's disappointing. Damn, we dumb. We dumb. But thanks to that show, we all know everything now. Um... <laughs> Well, I mean, that show, the fact it has not been brought back is absurd. It, I totally agree. And it is, it's a crime. And mm-hmm. I tell you what, kids need some geography. I swear, like, geography just gets, like, kind of thrown back in importance. I yeah. loved geography. That was one of my favorite mm-hmm. things. One of my favorite, um, if you're a fan of, like, daily puzzles and stuff like that, um, if you most people know Wordle, there's another one called Worldle. Just extra L. Um, and literally, it's just an outline of a country, and you have to guess okay. what country it is, and it tells you, if you're wrong, it'll tell you how far away it is from oh. the actual country and in what direction. Nice. That's helpful. That's cool. I like that. It's one of my daily ones that I do kind of in the morning. Like, once I get to work, I'll throw those up and Wordle and Worldle and just, you know, try to open my brain a little bit, kind of get it working. And I, I've i come to the conclusion I have got to spend more time studying the countries of Africa. <laughs> Yeah. Because I can never remember where they are. (laughs) Ah, that was 1991. All right. Fantastic year it is, John. Well, let's uh, put on our boots and chaps and talk city slickers. All right, City Slickers 1991, directed by Ron Underwood. We had just recently talked uh, him with Heart and Souls mm. and Tremors. Uh, <laughs> also did Mighty Joe Young and quite a bit of TV directing as well. Okay. So like the, the, the latter half of our catalog here is pretty heavy on our Ron <laughs> Underwood. <laughs> hey, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Uh, written by Lowell Gantz and Babalu Mandel, who we've talked about multiple times as well, because they also did Splash, A League of Their Own. Parenthood, and then other movies like Multiplicity, Gung Ho, and Spies Like Us. Babalu just makes me think of only the strong soundtrack. Babalu, bad boy. Babalu. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, music by Mark Shaman. Uh, he also did music for Heart and Souls, but then also Misery, The Adams Family, Sleepless in Seattle, South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. So a good few things that we talked about mm. and lots more. And I'll say it now, but I'll also say it again. The The score is wonderful. The City Sickler's theme that keeps coming up I think is amazing. It's it's so memorable. Uh, 
I mean, it, it, yeah, exactly. It, 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 it comes on, and it comes on a couple times throughout the movie, and I'm just like, yeah. yes, I love this. Yeah. <laughs> so It's like a like classic Western almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, cinematography done by Dean Semler. They also did cinematography for The Road Warrior, Beyond the Thunderdome, Young Guns, Dances with Wolves, Waterworld, The Power of One, and Apocalypto. Oh, wow. And I do want to mention, I think the cinematography was really strong in this movie, and it makes mm-hmm. sense. A lot of other kind of like large deserty kind of or, or westerny type of ones obviously dances with wolves um young guns but then also the road warrior and whatnot apocalypto those have very strong uh, cinematography yeah um in them so i wanted to make sure that was brought up all right we've got us a pretty big cast here and we're also going to cast up the this quite this large cast here so i'm going to go through a good few of them uh, mitch robbins played by billy crystal he's also in soap that we're going to talk about analyze this and that when harry met sally monsters inc we already mentioned all that the Princess Bride. Princess Bride, of can't, course. Can't forget God. that. <laughs> I can't forget the Princess Bride. Uh, Curly is played by Jack Palance. Uh, besides this, I remember him best from Young Guns and Batman. Jack, you're my number one. Yeah. A guy. <laughs> Sorry. Every time I see Jack Palance, I think. That's that. what you have. Okay. But he's been in a bunch of like uh, kind of war and western movies yeah, as well. Yeah. I I that and I think of the the movie Shane, which is a pretty pretty well-known oh, okay. western movie. Uh, I think mm-hmm. he plays the bad guy in that one. Nice. Where you like I just I I forget there's a oh, Bill Hicks has a little thing where he talks about him and Shane uh, where he gets the guy to pick up the gun and then shoots him oh, and was like Oh, that's the I didn't realize yeah, that was Oh, that's Jack Valance. That's a great that's a great little <laughs> that's a, skit. It's a great bit, yeah. yeah. You all saw him. He had a gun. <laughs> Um, I do want to mention, and I'm a little surprised by this, Jack Palance won an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor for this role. Yeah, and I saw that he never watches his movies typically, and he didn't see this one until after he had won the Oscar. (laughs) Yeah, and it's a good performance. I don't know if I would call it an Oscar-worthy performance. I agree. Maybe it was kind of like one of those things that they threw at him because they knew he was towards the end of his career, sure. and they're like, he he should he deserves something for something. They do that, yeah. They kind of like, oh, you actually should have won for this earlier thing, so we'll kind of make it up for that one. Yeah, maybe they did that. Sure. Yep. Uh, Phil Berquist is played by Daniel Stern, and I just want to throw out, I love Daniel Stern. Every time I see him in a movie, I think it becomes a better movie. He's so great. We talked about him previously in Home Alone and Rookie of the Year, uh, but he was also was the narrator in Wonder Years, and he mm-hmm. voiced Dilbert in the Dilbert cartoon. Which is I great. just recently showed Rookie of the Year to my son. He, uh, he when we watched it, which was a while back, it was. Um, he was too young for it, but we watched it this time. And Daniel Stern's character was his favorite. Like every time he was on, he was like, "This is the greatest movie ever." <laughs> he thought it, he thought Daniel Stern's character in um, not a League of Their Own, uh, Rookie of the really? Year was just amazing yeah yeah it's good great physical stuff that he had all right um i did what i saw that uh, apparently rick moranis was originally cast as phil uh, but he had to leave production because of his wife's illness which he kind of retired from acting because of that right because of that yeah and so daniel Stern was brought in as a late replacement so and you know what i mean i'm sure it would have been amazing with rick moranis oh, rick moranis would have killed that i could totally see it similar but as like the neur- i mean and you know rick moranis plays the neurotic character very well but as that sort of neurotic like daniel stern i think the fact that he's like taller than everyone kind of uh, helps the fact that his neurosis just seems so weird and funny sure yeah where 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 um rick moranis is definitely probably shorter than most of them. right ed ferrillo is played by bruno kirby I absolutely remember him best in Good Morning Vietnam. Besides this, mm-hmm. 
And if you do, and if you do, <laughs> I'm, I don't know why I'm going to be quoting everything today. <laughs> That's fine. This movie is incredibly quotable. Um, it is. And we'll, we'll get to that. All right. Uh, he was also into When Harry Met Sally, uh, Basketball Diaries, and This is Spinal Tap. Bonnie Rayburn is played by Helen Slater. And we talked about her back in uh, when we discussed that piece of shit film, Supergirl. One of our worst, I think, least favorite rated movies. Um, she was also in uh, Secret of My Success, uh, Legend of Billie Jean, that, mm-hmm. uh, that they talked about in Podcasting After Dark. So uh, Barry Shallow, it's played by Josh Mostel. Uh, he was the, I think, the principal in Billy Madison. He was in Money Pit, Jesus Christ Superstar. Good bit for him. Um, Ira Shalowitz was played by David Paymer, who we talked about in The American President. But he was also in Get Shorty and the movie Howard the Duck and quite a bit of stuff. Yeah, both those guys are pretty prevalent character actors. You've yeah. seen quite a few things. Exactly. They pop up in, in a lot of stuff. Uh, ben Jessup is played by Ben... Or, Bill Henderson, and we talked about him when we talked Clue. He was the cop, and I just yep. I immediately recognized his voice, like because the you know the cop is on the phone, yeah, and things exactly. like that. Um, but he was also in Maverick, Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai, and a good bit of other stuff. The character's son, Steve Jessup, right. is played by Phil Lewis, and he was in Heather's, uh, the Wayans Brothers show, and then um, maybe most famously for more recent people, the Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. He kind of was the manager of the hotel or whatnot, who was almost like a father figure to the to the kids, and and also kind of like the wacky adult that they you know you know they, every Disney or Nickelodeon yeah. show has that kind of character that they kind of make fun of at times but he was the, actually the joke he was actually jailed for like assault or something oh shit yeah sometime i can't remember if it was right before he was on sweet life or right after he was on sweet life i don't know if it was for like a domestic thing or something Ooh. like that but he was in jail for a little bit uh, i mostly remember him uh for his uh uh small stint on scrubs as hooch <laughs> that's right hooch is crazy he's hooch wow i completely <laughs> forgot about that hooch is crazy yeah. <laughs> uh all right um is played by tracy walter also appears and for me most famously in the batman movie yeah uh and uh, conan the destroyer and tons of small roles for him this movie had a budget of 26 million dollars and a box office of 180 million dollars that is a huge success it was back when comedies were really making money mm-hmm. in in because nowadays i swear like Com- comedy movies don't I don't know if they really make that kind of money anymore. I, yeah, I'm not. I yeah, just don't. I don't often. I don't often go to the movies to see comedies. And not that they're they're putting out as much. I mean, unless you count like some of sort of the adventure stuff that mm-hmm. is also comedies. Like when the I almost said the Jungle Book, not the Jungle Book. Um, Jumanji. The oh Jumanji yeah, yeah. But yeah, those those are much more there's, action. There's, driven. Yeah, they're adventure with comedy in them. So yeah, sure. But with all that success, no wonder they did make a sequel to this film in 1994 called City Slickers 2, The Se- the Legend of Curly's Gold. Yeah. Which I remember liking that one as well. I thought it was fine. Yeah. Um, I remember they brought Jack Palance back. In a very convoluted way, but I, it, worked I agree. For, it worked for me as a kid. Oh, yeah. As a kid, I was yeah. fine with it. So, yeah. as a kid, let's talk about what we remember and kind of our nostalgic value for the City Slickers film. I cannot remember when or how we first saw it. I doubt it was in the theater. It was probably at home. It might have been on TV. It might have been a blockbuster rental. I don't remember us having this. Um, yeah. 
at home. It might have been something that we rented on occasion. Maybe one of us would pick it out or something like that. I just remember it always being there. I same exact thing. Like it's just it was just such a. I mean, it was prevalent, but it wasn't like always there. But I do remember probably saw it on TNT or TBS, or we mm-hmm. would rent it every now and then. I I don't remember having it on VHS, but it's possible. But who knows? Right. Um, but yeah, I just always remember being around, and I always remember liking it as a kid. Yeah. So. All right, let's get into our scene-by-scene breakdown. And we begin in Pamplona, Spain. Uh, Mitch, Phil, and Ed are participating in the running of the bulls. And it's just kind of a fun, wild scene to get things started with them. Um, Ed is like kind of the only one who's seemingly enjoying it. Uh, Mitch and Phil are certainly more scared for their life. Um, I do like, you know, little stuff that they're all just like, whoa, every time some crazy thing's happening. Phil is the guy who jumps out first, and then Ed jumps out, and Mitch is kind of stuck running, and there's a bull that's following him, and it then stabs him right up the ass with a big old ah as he screams, <laughs> which transitions us to these awesome little cartoon title cards. I, I completely forgot about the cartoon title cards until it, it happened. I, I watched this with my son. It was just me and him who watched this. And when this thing, the, when the, this whole opening sequence happened, my son turned to me and was like, is this real? Like, do people really do the, the running of the bulls? Oh, like, oh, God, yeah. He's, he's, yeah. I thought he's you were talking like, about the people, title cards. I'm like, well, no, yeah, no, no, it's just no. a cartoon title. The, the movies do, but yeah, yeah, they're Pamplona. He doesn't yeah, oh, okay. Like, I told him yes. I think he kind of had a look of, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I, I looked up some stats um, at the running of the bulls since 1910-ish, I think, is when they started recording, um, actually having the thing, having the um, uh, doing records. Right. Uh, 16 people have died, which isn't as many as I thought. I'm sure a lot Honestly, more have I been injured. That number would, I thought that number would have been a lot higher. Yeah, I mean, if, he, if you count all running bulls and bull fighting things, the, the deaths are much higher. Um, but in just that specific event, only mm-hmm. 16 people have, have fully died from mostly gorings, which is, you know, death right. from the bull. So Right. All right, the title cards, cartoon title cards. I think they're cute as heck. You get that cow, like kind of this cartoon cowboy and the lasso, and he just—it's all fun, wacky stuff. I—I I thought that was a great, great way to enter yeah, the movie. I had a, I, I had complete, like I said, I completely forgotten about him. So it was a lot of fun rewatching him. Yep. Uh, then we cut back to Mitch in a Spanish hospital, and he's blaming Ed for dragging them on these type of situations. Apparently, they do this kind of stuff. You know, on the flight back, they talk more about that. Do we see Mitch's huge ash? ass cushion that he's got to deal with right now <laughs> and we meet barbara his wife uh, who is played by patricia wedding uh you would know her from she actually i remember the langoliers she was in that oh yeah 30 something in the show brothers and sisters she had long stints on both of those shows which i don't really know anything about the shows but mm. i feel like i've seen her around plenty of stuff we also meet phil's wife who's just an awful person and she's awful to phil immediately <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just yeah, you feel sorry for the guy. I mean, that's where it is. You're set up to feel sorry for the dude. Um, and Mitch, in general, thinks that these adventures that they're going on are getting more and more stupid, or as Barbara puts it, desperate attempts attempts to cling to their youth. And you know, that's really what this movie is kind of coming down to. Uh, kind of like that middle aged, you know, you're you're having a midlife crisis right. mentality, and that's what Mitch is going through. Ed wants to even go parachuting next, but Mitch has had enough with this kind of crap. 
You Which know. I'm going to call bullshit on the, on the whole midlife crisis thing. I was under the impression that I got a sports car when I got to my 40s. <laughs> uh, turns out you actually have to pay for it. Oh, what um, a shit. What a, what a freaking rip. Crock. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's very interesting to me, John, because uh, we find out it's one year later and it's Mitch's birthday. He gets a call from his mother who's seemingly tells him the same story every year. I think it's kind of a cute scene. Which is based on something Billy Crystal's mother actually did every ah, single year. That's like funny. It's, it's literally, I don't know that that's his mother in the recording, but it's basically a word-for-word recreation of what she, <laughs> what she I like does. That. Um, and we find out he's turning 39, and I was like, oh, shit. Like, I'm 37. <laughs> I'm about to be 38 uh, right. next month. You know, we're both, like, we are in this quote-unquote midlife crisis you know mentality of the uh, of those of of the time that this movie came out and i feel you know as as even now that we're 30 years over 30 years past this movie coming out midlife crisis doesn't feel like 40 anymore it feels like more like 50 right yeah or maybe even 60 like maybe like retirement age or something yeah i don't know people are living longer and and yeah i gotta tell you adam i'm 40 well god how old am i (laughs) I'm 42. 42. I don't. I still don't feel like an adult. Do you? No. Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. Like I don't feel any different than like my mid 20s. Right. But and but even then, like I feel like, like my mentally, brain stopped. Mental, my mental, body, yes. My mentally, yes. not so much. <laughs> yes, I wake up hurting in weird places from just sleeping wrong. Yeah. But like I wake up and I'm like in my head, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm still like 18. Yeah. Like, no. 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 Body's definitely telling you no. Exactly. So, but yeah, like it's it's very interesting rewatching this now as I'm directly in, you know, the mentality of the main character. So, but Mitch, he's just a depressed kind of guy. He's he's upset about getting older. He's always complaining about it. Like this is his entire mindset right now is, oh, I'm not I'm not happy with my life. Basically, I'm at work. We even see Mitch is he's in radio advertising and he's just he's not doing well at work. Um and I recognized his boss immediately, Jeffrey Tambor. Great mm-hmm. little scene from him. He's in Arrested Development, The Larry Sanders Show, Transparent. He's awesome. Great comedic actor. But thanks to Mitch's depression, even his work is slipping too. So we then cut to career day, and there's this very New York construction guy who goes before <laughs> him. And I, I didn't look up his name, but that guy is another it's, character actor that I see in oh, yeah. so many different things. His name is Robert Constanzo, and he is anytime you need like an Italian American, <laughs> yeah, like Goomba type guy. <laughs> yeah, he's perfect. He was oh, Total Recall. That's the other thing I remember. Ah, from. that would be it. Uh, he would... plays like the construction friend who I think yeah. is also like a. You're a right. Yes, guy, yes, he's the best. Like the best friend of that one. Yep, exactly. But he, uh, yeah, yeah, he's been he... working forever. And he's funny in this. He's just telling this wild story <laughs> about you know, and he's just using this. Harsh language, and the teacher's yeah. just standing there dumbfounded. All of a sudden, this woman, you know, with the big dark glasses, the Bloomingdale bags, she starts walking right through the ropes. I yelled down at her, hey, you can't go there, you stupid bitch. And suddenly, this... And he, you know, he's talking about how he had to have this, hey, you crazy bitch. And she was walking in the... <laughs> the construction site and then something fell on her and he had to have the superhuman strength and to pick right. it up and you you know kids watch out when you're a construction site and don't do drugs right. <laughs> love that 
And the kids all love it. They're all eating up his story. And sure. so when Mitch's son has to introduce Mitch, he's less excited about it. And I bet you recognized that. Well, maybe you recognize that Mitch's son in this one. Yeah, that is uh, Mysterio himself. <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> yes, the Donnie Darko, the Mysterio. Um, yeah, I think this was his first role or maybe his first like speaking role or something. I think so. I think it was his first big film role oh he just yeah it looks he's he is a child he's like probably 10 to 12 or something on this one so and mitch is fairly boring and the kids are all he's talking about how life falls apart with age and whatnot and it's it's funny to see it but he's obviously he's definitely going through something you can tell that the midlife crisis is hitting him hard oh i forgot the the daughter is actually played by billy crystal's actual daughter oh i didn't realize that yeah her name is uh, Lindsay crystal oh okay awesome uh, at home, Mitch and Barbara prep for his birthday, um, and he's just still depressed about all this, all this kind of stuff. Um, we see Ed is now married to the uh, model that he was kind of dating in Spain a year ago, and Phil is pretending to be asleep at the party to avoid talking to his own wife, um, and she <laughs> comes up to him, and she's like, we have to leave right now, and we find out just a little bit more of his backstory from the conversations that he's the manager of the supermarket and he has to, you know, wake up early. And so basically her and her family, they own him, if you will. Yeah, pretty much. So, yep. And I, I love his line. They've got me by the balls. She's got one. He's got the other. Referring yeah. to his in-law dad. Yeah. And I, we talk about lines. I kind of mentioned it earlier, but it's impossible with these comedies and especially, you know, think Billy Crystal quick whips kind of stuff. Right. I'm not going to be able to mention every single line in this movie because there's so much good comedic one-liners and stuff like that, especially from Mitch, Um, but overall all over the place. So I'm not, you know, if I mentioned every dialogue that was hilarious and cut it in, then (laughs) the move, this would be twice as long as the movie itself. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So um, we see Phil and Ed, they got a present for Mitch. They got him a trip to a dude ranch, this real cowboy stuff, you know, to herd cattle and whatnot. But Mitch is not interested, you know, even though he was Mitchy the kid when he was, like, you know, younger or whatnot, <laughs> they kind of joke about that. He he already made plans with Barbara's in-laws to, to go see them in Florida. And so, you know, he's kind of passing on. He's just he's in a funk for sure. Yeah. So then the doorbell rings. It's one of the supermarket workers. Played by a very wonderful cameo, in my opinion. Absolutely. Uh, Miss uh, Yearly Smith. Everyone would recognize her voice. They may not recognize her look, but uh, Lisa Simpson. Uh, So you can tell immediately the voice Mm -hmm. is pretty much just Lisa Simpson. She's late. Not to work, John. Her her period is late. And I do this. Why is she asking you? And he has to, like, well, I'm I'm her manager. She would need to tell me. No, he... (laughs) He had sex with her in the back of a Volvo, um, apparently. And that, just make, that just makes me think of mall rats. They had they had sex at a very uncomfortable place, like in the back of a Volkswagen. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, Phil and his wife have this massive blow up. And I again, I, I do love love these lines. If hate were people, I'd be China. I, love <laughs> I fucking love it. I mean, and here's here's where this works because more often than not, you're going to side with the person 
who was cheated on because right. you know they they got the the shaft on that if you will right um but they did a good job of setting up even just briefly you know at the spain thing what a massive see you next tuesday this lady <laughs> is Right. And even in when they're yelling, Phil's talking about we haven't had sex in 12 years and all that kind of stuff. Like, you can tell their marriage was barely a marriage. Yeah. And so you kind of understand him and you just felt sorry for You felt sorry, so sorry for Phil enough at the beginning that this action didn't make me dislike him. Right. In yeah. fact, I was almost empathetic for him more. Yeah. Yeah. Just because, like, <laughs> just she is so awful I, my 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 thought was like if she was so unhappy why had she not i don't, I don't yeah. know if it's sometimes i think it's it's an image thing where people sure. just don't get divorced because they don't want the stigma of it so they just sit with a, a horrible relationship and yeah it's just oh absolutely and society you know especially even i mean not as bad in like the the 90s and whatnot because divorce got far more prevalent in the 90s or in the right. 80s even i mean yeah but Still, you know, a lot of societies just think, oh, it's a failure, you know, or that kind of stuff, or who knows. But, right. yeah, I did think it was interesting uh, in today's, you know, if this was made today, would they say, if I hate, if, if, if hate were people, I'd be India, because India is now the most populous country in the world. I mean, in, in truth, it still works, because yeah, China's not that far behind <laughs> India in terms of I people. Know. I just wanted to drop a little knowledge on people, I'm, more geography knowledge. How about that? <laughs> There you go. I'm very impressed. All right. Uh, that night, Barbara and Mitch talk, and she says, hey, I'm not enjoying who you are basically right now, and she wants him to go on that cattle drive. Go find your smile, how she puts it. Mm -hmm. And he's worried if he won't be able to find it. So we cut to New Mexico and this ranch. Great music scores going on right mm -hmm. now. It's just wonderful. That theme is so great, as I already mentioned. Um, we see a cowboy kind of twisting a cattle down. Great line from from Phil. I wonder if I can do that to Arlene. And just love it. Uh, and they meet Ben and Steve Jessup and find out that they're dentists. Uh, we meet Ira and Barry Shalowitz and they make ice cream. And apparently, they're, obviously, they're a kind of a parody of Ben and Jerry. Yeah. And they meet Bonnie, who was supposed to be there with a friend. And now she's there alone. She's an attractive lady, a bunch of other guys there. They all kind of straighten up when, she, when they see her. <laughs> kind of funny. And Phil's another great Phil line. You know, when I was alive, I would have found her attractive. You know, when I was alive, I would have found her attractive. <laughs> I think it was great. Like, <laughs> I watched this with my wife, and she she didn't understand it. And she was like, what? What is that? I don't even get this. And I'm like, well, he's dead inside. Like, right. his marriage has made him dead inside. That's the whole right. thing. So, uh, the owners of the ranch introduced themselves. Ed gives a great Yahoo! <laughs> like that that's a good yahoo son um and they meet the other ranch hands and cookie um another good line from him fuck food's brown hot and plenty of it like everybody kind of has their nice little setup lines when we when we meet them and yeah. things like that and the i instantly recognized uh the ranch owner it's a guy mm -hmm. named noble willingham which is a great name yeah um, we've talked about uh, him before i'm sure we have because he was a regular on walker texas ranger oh that's it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay and he, totally. i mean he's been on a whole bunch of of other he was on a whole bunch of other things as a character yes. actor but that but is I the thing that i room yeah that is the thing i recognize him for the most uh we then get a nice little montage of the group dressing up and working on their horse riding skills and mitch and ed practicing lassoing and things like that 
And we see these two other ranch hands. And I'm just going to call them ranch hands because I don't really care what their yeah. names are. They're just the asshole ranch hands. Yeah. They're a little too forward with Bonnie. And Mitch, as kind of like a meek and kind of depressed kind of guy as he is, he is almost always the the honorable dude. And we yes. see this multiple times. And Mitch goes over and he tries to kind of, you know, get them to stop messing with Bonnie. And they're about to fight, you know, because they're asshole Right. Ranch hand guys, and they're about to punch him, and then in comes this rope around the big guy's neck and pulls him down, and it's curly, and man, he looks bad. He immediately just puts <laughs> them down and forces the big guy to apologize to Bonnie. It establishes cur- this. Sh- the shots are great because they're kind of having yeah. curly and silhouette at first, right. and just the way he is introduced and the way he speaks, he comes across. As obviously very intimidating, uh, a massive authority. I want to say the first introduction of Curly here. That's how you introduce a character. Yeah, that's that is how this character had to be introduced. Like the, just the type of character that he is. If we had seen and gotten so much backstory about him or, or heard much about him before this, it mm-hmm. would have hurt. Like this, this is um, a great way in a great intro. Uh, yeah. That I think the film does it, and visually, I would put this up there with the the reveal of Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost uh, Ark. It's yeah, a great reveal. It's a great reveal there too. Of mm-hmm. you don't really see him until he comes out of that shadow, and it's the same thing where like yeah. it's like looking into the sun. You don't really see him because of the silhouette, and then everything focuses in, and you see yeah. Jack Palance. Yeah, it, it's a it's a great visual, and as you said, character introduction. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bonnie, thanks, Mitch, about. You know, hey, it was it, for him doing that, it takes a lot of guts to do it. And he is just adorable. He says, I'm married, and runs him off because he's <laughs> nervous. It's a great response. I mean, yeah. uh, that night, uh, they, there's a little dance and some party going on before the cattle drive starts. And uh, the guys chat with Ben and Steve, and they talk about Curly and all this kind of stuff, who is off in the distance at first, and they're just kind of curious. I mean, he's just, again, this mysterious guy who is leading the um, the cattle drive and Mitch is just like he's crazy you know he's a lunatic <laughs> as of course he's right behind him yeah and so. I, I like that you see him walking up behind uh-huh. him it's yeah. not just all of a sudden he's there Here. like you see him like coming and so you know what's about to happen so it just kind of builds the tension a little bit more because Billy Crystal's not shutting up he's not under you know he's not getting as everyone else kind of sees it happening yep uh, and so Mitch kind of has to turn around, apologize a little bit, and Curly, ever the tough bastard. I crap bigger than you. <laughs> I crap bigger than you. <laughs> so, just, yeah, he's an intimidating figure. So he is. In the morning, Phil mentions Nancy isn't pregnant, so we get a little bit about that. I did find this a, an interesting line where the that uh, I think Mitch or Ed was like, "Well, that's good," and Phil's like, eh, "For her, I think." He he was ready. He wanted that to be his new start. Like mm-hmm. he he kind of feels, and we will find out about him. You know he's he doesn't have a direction right now. He's lost his wife, his job. He I guess he kind of thought, okay, this is my chance to get out of that other situation and and have something new for me. And so he was I guess ready for it. But anyway, that, I just thought that was a little interesting, quick little line from him that maybe yeah. added a little bit of depth to what he's going through. Yeah, I don't know that Nancy would have been ready. No, no, she's twenty. Yeah, but, but but yeah, I can understand that for Phil. Sure. By the way, uh, um, Daniel Stern was the only one who declined horse riding lessons, 
oh. because he he wanted his character to look authentic, so he had no idea what he was doing when they started writing. <laughs> oh, nice. I like that. All right, they, yeah, they get started. They head out, and yeah, a lot of them look kind of awkward. Ben Jessup mentions the movie Red River, where they all give a yeehaw. They have a nice little cute yeehaw scene all together. As they start to head out. Uh, and then Young at Heart by Jimmy Durante plays as we get a little montage um, of the start of this cattle drive. Fairy tales can come true. It can happen to you. If you're young at heart. For it's hard you will find to be... All of the montages, there's a, there's a couple of them in this. We're actually really good. Like, they didn't seem like they were extraneous or like unneeded or anything like that. Like they've propelled the story forward and, and they were all funny and enjoyable yeah. to watch. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Uh, Mitch then gets uh, a stray, brings it back successfully and we see some more of the cattle drive and Ed and Mitch talk about Bonnie's attractiveness and whatnot and which then leads to a conversation on Mitch would, you know, who would cheat on their significant others if you knew that they wouldn't find out and even if there was like this alien and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> and really... It really just comes across. This is a way. This discussion is a way to show Mitch is honorable. He's a family man. That's what mm-hmm. he loves. Ed is not there yet. Ed is not yeah. ready for commitment because you can tell he would cheat. You know, if he yeah. knew that his wife would never find out. And he he's clearly just trying to find a scenario where Mitch will say yes. Yeah, that's that's all he's trying to do. He's just trying to get Mitch to say yes. Yes, and I think I think he's doing that to make himself feel better. About I was his just going to say. I was just yeah. going to say the same thing. Yeah. Then we get one of the best, best fucking lines in this movie. Curly comes over and Mitch is like, Hi, Curly. Kill anyone today? Day ain't over yet. Day ain't over yet. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> Love that. All right. At night, uh, Ed continues about just the one woman thing. He's worried about having kids because his wife wants to have kids and all this commitment stuff. He's just, he's obviously still. In the mentality of uh, of a younger person, where he's just he doesn't want to commit, he doesn't want to do that kind of stuff. So he's not ready for just one woman. Um, and Ed continues, he digs on Phil on him cheating and stuff. And actually, I do like this. I kind of got more depth into Ed this time um, because he rips onto Ed for cheating on his wife, and they wrestle. And we'll find out later why it's important that Ed is the one who digs on Phil for cheating mm-hmm. on his wife. I think um, until Curly. You know, they start wrestling around and shit like that until Curly dumps water on them just to get him to calm down. In the morning, they get ready. Ed and Phil make up. You know, these are good buddies. They make up. Uh, and Mitch makes coffee with his battery-operated coffee grinder. But the sound of the coffee grinder, unbeknownst to Mitch, spooks the cattle. And then they have a stampede and they're running everywhere. You know, it's comedic music going on they have to rush after them stampede destroys all the tents and so much of their gear all this kind of crap curly does eventually stop the cows basically with a gunshot and in just his intimidation (laughs) he's that good but yeah it's obviously fucked up a lot of stuff because of the stampede and so um we find out some cattle have gotten trapped in the canyon and so curly makes mitch go with him just the two of them and they'll have to catch up with the rest of the guys in the herd uh probably in a day or so Mm mm-hmm 
Curly wants Mitch to, you know, learn how to rope a cow. And eh, Mitch is not, we saw earlier, he's not good at lassoing. And so he <laughs> love I do love the scene where he's like, you know, lassoing, it, it's stupid. It's a cow. You can just walk up to it and put it, you know, put it on its head. It's easy enough. You know, wh- why would have to do it any other way? And then Curly whistles <laughs> and it pulls Mitch, who's holding on to it. You know, and comedically, he doesn't just let go of it. He's holding right. on to it being dragged. So <laughs> funny enough. Yeah. Uh, so they get some more of the cattle and have to make camp because it's just going to be, you know, they haven't can't catch up to the rest of them that night. And so that night they talk. Mitch actually stands up to Curly a little bit, uh, which you immediately know and can recognize that Curly respects that because Mitch just kind of he's a little intimidated, obviously, and he plays harmonica nervously. Um, but Curly jumps in and sings along. And I thought that was a funny scene, you know, where Mitch kind of thought he was done playing and then Curly keeps singing so he has to <laughs> keep going with it. Cares of the past are behind No way to go but I'll find Just where the trail will wind Drifting along with the tumbling tumbleweeds It's a great little, a great little bonding uh, moment for them because yeah. in the morning they continue, they we start off, Mitch talks about the, the spaceship sex theory that he was brought into with, <laughs> with Ed, has that with Curly. And I do love Curly's responses. Well, is the alien a redhead? I like redheads. <laughs> that's, all, that's all he thinks about. You know, he doesn't he doesn't think about that kind he, of crap. He's a, he's a simple man. He is. So so they bond um, kind of off being together with just them. So and Curly shares some wisdom. He shares the secret of life. It's one thing. Just one thing, and the important part is every person has to figure out what that one thing is for them, um, and nothing else, you know, doesn't mean shit. Basically, so yeah. that's nice. They then uh, spot that a cow is having some trouble laying on its side; it's birthing a baby. So Curly and uh, Mitch have to go in and help the calf out, and Mitch is able to kind of save the calf, and it's all emotional moment for him. You know, it's a very big thing. He names it Norman. And then he hears a gunshot. Uh, the mother was not obviously doing well because, yeah, because yeah, the cat, because all of that. And so Curly had to kill it. Otherwise, it was just going to suffer and die anyway. Yeah. This was a combination of a puppet and three actual live births that Billy Crystal actually did. You can tell. Okay. So he did. So he did live births. He, yes. So he, Interesting. he, it is a combination of those. There are a few, there are a few things that are actually just like a puppet thing, but yeah, some I of could the, tell they, some, I could tell like the fabric uh, yeah. cow at some point. The yes. Mother. Like some of the close up stuff were, were puppet puppetry yeah. stuff, but, uh, the actual pulling out of the calf, that was Billy Crystal. They did it three times. They had three calves. Wow. Um, and he's apparently he still considers it one of the best things he's ever done on, on I camera. I bet that's a great feeling. Yeah. yeah. And apparently he doesn't eat veal anymore because of it. Good. For, I, I imagine that would change you. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. That's Good fine. For More for me. Yeah. Veal is delicious. <laughs> veal is awesome. Lie. I love veal. Yeah. Curly does give him a little bit of uh, affirmation. He said, you saved the calf. Good job, cowboy. So he calls Mitch a cowboy. Obviously, their their bond is solidified with that and his respect yeah. for Mitch's come. So uh, the next day, they're back with the rest of the group. And Barry Shalowitz shows off one of his interesting skills. Um, you know, you have a wine sommelier. I consider myself maybe a bit of a uh, an apprentice whiskey sommelier. Mm-hmm. Barry Shalowitz is an ice cream sommelier where he has compare any ice cream with any uh, meal. And there's a nice <laughs> little funny, basically like a, like a duel that they have right. with 
them kind of naming some different foods, which he just rattles off these ice cream, which is hilarious because you can't. You can't prove that. really. Exactly. (laughs) And the, the best part for me is like he's like. I was like sweating. Yeah. And then he comes up with it and he says, and I forget which one he says. And rum then there's raisin. Like, yeah, rum raisin. And then it's like the sigh of relief, like, oh, I got it. And I'm like, how do you know? <laughs> how do you For, know? What if someone doesn't like rum raisin? Like, yeah. So the perfect ice but, cream is whatever you like. That is, and it sure as shit ain't rum raisin. <laughs> I hate raisin. I'm not a raisin fan. So. I, I like raisins in certain situations. Like, Wrong. No. No, no, no. In oatmeal, <laughs> it's amazing. In oatmeal, it's amazing. Okay. I don't know I why. That as a kid, I liked it, but then I, I just stopped at some point. You know, here's what you need to do, Adam. Here's what you need to do. Macerate them, which just means soak them Yeah. in some whiskey. And let them rehydrate in the whiskey, especially if you have ones that have dried out. Do that. So I, so I get, get whiskey grapes out of that? Sure. And then sure. you put that in put that in something hearty like like a thick risotto or like an uh-huh. oatmeal for breakfast something like that. One of one of my favorite things. I don't know why this is turning into a cooking thing, but love it. One of my favorite things uh, to make in the fall, if I can find them, is to do a butternut squash risotto. And uh, so I'll roast the butter squashes, mash it up, put it in the risotto. And a to- on top of that, I will take dried cranberries and soak them in Fireball to get the cinnamony. Mm-hmm. Liquory taste in it, not because Fireball is a great drink, but because it is yeah. because it's it's very cinnamony. Yes. Um, do that, and then add a little bit of goat cheese and nutmeg in there, and just the the bite from the from the Fireball and the cinnamon in the risotto is so good. Okay, interesting. All right, let's get all back that to all that to say. Raisins aren't bad. <laughs> okay, fine, fair. <laughs> all right, uh, back to the movie. Ed and Phil talk about baseball which bonnie you know kind of like a oh, men versus women kind of situation where bonnie doesn't understand how guys care so much about baseball and i do like phil's little moment he talks about how it's it's the way he could bond with his father mm-hmm. um and mitch mentions like kind of the secret of life thing out of everybody and um he goes up to curly he's like oh yeah, i'm gonna have him tell you about it he goes up to curly who's just sitting up dead as a doornail mm-hmm. curly is gone so they have to bury him. Um, I do love Cookie's eulogy. Lord, we give you Curly. Try not to piss him off. Lord, we give you Curly. Try not to piss him off. That's <laughs> <laughs> perfectly said. <laughs> and Mitch tries to add some nice words as well. And so now those dick asshole ranch hands who we'd met before, now they're basically in charge. So they're going to just have to continue on, try and move on without Curly. And I like that at the beginning, they try to make them off as they're going to be responsible. Yes. Because immediately after this, they're like, okay, we need to do this. Like, they're like, okay, we're going to be business here. And then later yeah. coming up when yeah. they're drinking, that was like, oh, no, it was, it was asking apart. too much. Yep. Uh, so uh, as they kind of continue on their cattle drive mitch phil and ed talk about their best and their worst days and i like this this adds like quite a quite a bit of depth to each one of these characters so i'm going to talk mm-hmm. about it mitch talks about his trip uh to yankee stadium with his dad also kind of ties in why baseball is so important to him yeah which so. i also think is loosely based on a real story from billy crystal's actual life i don't know that it's exactly that way but i, I heard that there was a little bit of truth to that Yep, and I think I think I saw that as well. So, but I think this this ties in great because you know he's obviously talking about his father here, and then his worst day. Uh, apparently, Barbara found a lump. It was 
luckily it was nothing but it, it obviously ties in that already and we're going to set up a little bit like his one thing is family mm-hmm. um you know because his best day everything is surrounded by his family phil some fun lines you know one his he says his best day was his wedding day you know i guess it was back when before his wife arlene had kind of really become a terrible person and she yeah. looked great and he really loved it and then the worst day every day since has been a tie That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> love that line and then ed ed who is always who has so far been the least depth character mm-hmm. le- you know least depthful character he is kind of just been like an asshole he's trying to cling on to his youth he's can't ready for commitment and here we find out a little bit why um he refuses to tell it first but then he mentions the story of his dad when he was 14 his dad who constantly cheated on his on his mother and then uh, again tying also was to why he was kind of kept pressing phil about cheating on his wife mm-hmm. um, but his dad was apparently a awful about it and he was just an asshole and at 14 ed stood up to his dad and kind of became quite a quote-unquote the man of the house and basically kicked the father out and stood up to him yeah. and he was able to take care of his sister and his mother but that same day was his worst day because he lost a father yeah. in that day so it was very interesting it actually it also can kind of tie in you know because because he had to grow up he, you know, he he is kind of a bit of this, a bit of an asshole with some of this stuff, but he's harsher around the edges. But he also is afraid of commitment because the commitment that he's seen from his father figure was not commitment commitment at all. And so I mm-hmm. think maybe all that ties into to him as a character, and I like that a lot. Yeah. So, all right, back on the cattle drive, uh, Cookie. Drinks too much, just kind of out of nowhere. But we kind of saw him drinking throughout, and he always had like a right. little flask with him. And he's had a little too much, and he just goes nuts. And the carriage that he's driving ends up going over a ravine, and all the food that he had with him, and no shit, they're kind of fucked. <laughs> um, and at first, I immediately thought, oh shit, those poor horses. <laughs> and we cut to two horse graves, which I thought was funny as well. Uh, apparently, Cookie's got two broken legs now because of this, and so Ben and Steve are going to have to take him away um, they'll take him to a town that is, that the ranch hands kind of say is about a half a day's ride, but uh, they have the most medical training, which I I, I like this little scene here because the son yeah. just wanted to have fun with his dad, but the dad is a very responsible person. Yeah, uh, I like well, I mean, and here's the thing, you know, I mean, the the son is clearly putting up with this. Yes, this whole thing is not something that he would want to do, but his dad wants to do this, and he's going to do this for his dad. And, you know, all his son is thinking, his son is only thinking about his dad, which is great. Mm -hmm. But, like, I think his dad sees this as, this is the time to be the cowboy. You're going to be the hero with this. Yeah. That, that's, you know, that, that's, that means more than just driving the cattle. Yeah. Up there. So, I think, I think it was a, a, a good move on, on their part. Yes. Um, so, the ranch hands have found Cookie's whiskey that he's been hiding. And so that night, they get drunk off their asses, and they're, like, shooting the bottles with their guns and just being dangerous, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's scary for everybody. Uh, and then at one point, real intense, they bring out Norman, because they're trying to in- intan- entice Mitch out, you know, who they almost fought earlier, right. entice him out because they want to embarrass him or beat him up or something. They put the gun in Norman's mouth at one point, which is, I'm sure Peter did not love that scene. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure it wasn't a real gun. But. No, of course not. But still, yeah, the, the idea of it. So 
Mitch, who I kind of mentioned, has a lot of these honorable moments. You know, he's with everybody else and they're all just kind of worried. And it's like, you know what? They're just going to embarrass me. Let him do it because he wants to, you know, protect everyone else and protect uh, Norman the cow. So uh, he gets out there and, you know, they're going to embarrass him. And then they end up punching Mitch. And then Ed and Phil come out and they fight. And it's a whole fight going on. Phil ends up getting the gun or one of the guns and he's pointing it at like the big guy. And Phil snaps a bit. and <laughs> Yeah, he does. <laughs> love it. I've lost my wife. I've lost my job. And I've got some sort of rash uh, from making in the bushes. <laughs> and he kind of says at the end of that. But he tells them to sleep it off and shit like that. Um, so uh, in the tent, though, we do see Phil, who's still got the gun. He's kind of crying to himself. He's a little bit of a breakdown. But Mitch and Ed try to console him kind of a little bit here. So same night. We find out that, no, those ranch hands just, they up and left. They yeah. ditched everybody. They said, fuck them, and left out. So now everybody that's there left with just the cattle. Are they go- What are they going to do? Um, they have a debate. You know, are they, should they leave the herd or, or just bring the herd in? And Phil and Ed, Ed specifically, is like, I'll bring them in. You know, he, he wants to be this cowboy. You know, he wants yeah. to do all this. Ed, or sorry, Phil has nothing else to live for, so he's like, <laughs> Fuck it, I'll do this. <laughs> I don't care. But everybody else, Mitch, Mitch included, think that they're crazy. You know, they they're untrained people out in the wilderness. Right. They can move much faster without the herd, and they can get somewhere going. And so he leaves, you know, with Ira, Barry, and Bonnie in the morning. And we see just for a scene, literally. This is the only like non-drama-filled part. I do feel maybe it needed to be a little bit longer. Mm. Ed and Phil are having some trouble on their own. And they're not really, they're they're struggling with each other and all this kind of stuff. And then some triumphant music plays is like they're struggling with the herd. Some cows are being brought back. It's Mitch, Mitchy the Kid. He is returned. <laughs> but this time he's not wearing his uh, Mets hat. He's now wearing Curly's cowboy hat. Yeah. So he has made the active choice to shift and to become a cowboy and help them out. And this is really, they're, they're going to bond together. So there yeah. was maybe... A, a stint of a minute um, right. where Mitch was gone. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the only thing, but he obviously had some kind of turn a, a around where he needs to, he felt he needed to protect and be with his friends. And he is going to, you know, as, as Curly put it, bring in the herd. There's nothing like bringing in the herd. And so yeah. he's shifted his mentality. Um, and we see some uh, humor and bonding from, from the guys here. And then a storm comes through and we see a little bit Norman, the calf is struggling to kind of keep up with the rest of the herd and they get to this river and they're going to have to cross and they get them, you know, have to push them through. They get them there. But as they got the last cows through Mitch, he looks back and he hears Norman, the calf is struggling and being swept away by the fast river. And Oh shit. He goes after the calf and he has to run and he has to rope it and he lasses it and he ropes the calf. Oh shit, he did it heroic. But then he and his horse fall down right. and he gets swept away in with Norman and he has to, you know, they're being pulled through the rapids and eventually Phil and Ed, they have to race to go get to him and they get out on this tree and they grab him and then, you know, all three of them together have to basically, you know, they're all working together to pull back some back and, you know, right save each other um, but it's a very heartfelt intense moment in the movie in the morning they continue the cattle drive and they've made it holy shit somehow they found the right place a bit <laughs> unbelievable 
bit unbelievable. There's no map. Like nobody's they not once pulled out a map. I feel like that no, would have been But they I mean, I there is a moment where when they're discussing it where uh Mitch says yeah. well Curly said this and this. You like there was yeah. gonna be this, then there's gonna be this. So we need yeah, to look yeah. for these two. So there's landmarks, but you know, with no wilderness experience, that's that's it's still a little bit unbelievable. I mean, it is. I, I can understand why they put it in there because then they're giving us hope that they know where they're going. But yeah, yeah I, you would think at least there was somebody. I mean, in reality, you would think everyone would have had a map available to them to check at least. Yeah, it's that it's that um, you have to kind of. Dis- or your separation of disbelief or whatever it is called. I can't remember what the term is in um, in film, but it's basically you have to just... The idea that y- you would constantly disbelieve things happening, you have to just allow it for film. So, yeah. So, all right, that's the case. Kind of wild that everybody was still there and nobody was out looking for him, especially the owner. He right. did say, he kind of said, oh, I had a search party going for you, but they didn't. they didn't find him. Anyway, we get that triumphant theme music playing as they bring in the herd. It's a heroic moment for the guys. Um, Bonnie and Phil share a little look at each other. Okay, something might be there. The owner offers everybody's money back uh, and also finds out that the uh, that the cattle, unfortunately, though, are not going to be transferred back to the New, New Mexico ranch, that they're going to be turned into meat. And it was just too much money. He had to do it and kind of a disappointment from everybody. You know, they weren't driving these cattle for meat they're that's kind of that you know they as mitch puts it oh man it's like i misled the cows basically (laughs) (laughs) they trusted us and then he sees norman and it's just obviously he's got a emotional tie to that specific calf Uh, in the morning the guys um apparently have found what they're looking for you know we kind of see that phil has a new outlook on life ed is ready for commitment and mitch has now found his one thing which we know is family. We cut mm-hmm. to them greeting him at the airport. Uh, Phil is kind of hanging with Bonnie. They get in a cab together, and Mitch found his smile, and he points to that. And he brought something back with him, John. Norman, the calf. Yay, it's not a dog. It's Norman. And it ends as they drive off, and Norman is kind of hanging out the window, and it's cute. Yeah. Cute little scene. Uh, and then as the credits roll, there's a song called Where Did My Heart Go by James Ingram. Where did my heart go? When did it lose the way? How did I let you slip away? And that was the worst part of the movie. Um, <laughs> this this fucking song was awful. I fucking hated that. Like, that is just I didn't it, it didn't go with the film. It should have just had score. In my opinion, sure. I hated this. I hated sure. this song. So, and that's the end of our movie. How about <laughs> how about I go first because I want to hear about you and your son sure. you know, who watched it. This movie holds up. Mm. It is a fantastic buddy comedy. It has heart. It has great humor. Wonderful lines from Billy Crystal and particularly Daniel Stern as well. The score, the cinematography, all are really great. It's I, I would say this is a lovely movie. You know, it is a good escapist where you just kind of sit back and you just want to have a smiling film. Yes, there's some emotion to it at times and things like that, but it's a feel-good, enjoyable, nostalgic movie, and I personally really enjoyed rewatching it. 
I mean, personally, I don't have much more to add to that because it, I totally agree with it. This movie stands the test of time. There's a reason why it's on AFI's list of one of the 100 greatest comedies mm-hmm. of all time. It's even uh, on the list for one of the 250 greatest scores, film scores mm. of all time uh, Yeah, from AFI. That. So for me personally, I don't really have any much more to add for this. I was excited to show this to my son. I particularly thought he was going to enjoy it, and he absolutely did. He thought it was hilarious. Loved all of the characters. They were all funny. He laughed at all the right moments. He got, I think, pretty much most of the jokes and stuff like that. And I think he really, really liked it. And so I think at some point I will show him the sequel. Um, mm-hmm. We've been, you know, we've been trying to catch up on a few things here and there, a few movies here and there. And I, I think he liked it so much. I think we'll show him the sequel, which I haven't seen since probably I was a kid. So <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice just to just to see that as well. Nice. nice. Very cool. All right, now we are going to talk the sitcom Soap, which aired from 1977 to 1981. It had four seasons, 85 episodes on ABC. It was created by Susan Harris, who is a baller in the world of sitcoms. Um, she wrote on things like The Partridge Family and All in the Family and Mod, but it was also the creator of Golden Girls, Empty Nest, and for the spinoff Benson, mm. uh, which ran for even longer than Soap, the <laughs> what it spun off. I always from. forget that Benson ran for longer. Like, like a good bit, like 130 episodes as opposed to 85 or something like that. Yeah. So a good bit more. And I never really watched Benson. I, sh- I, you know, I didn't either. No. Um, the cast for this show, extensive cast because it's a soap opera style cast, if you will. Uh, Jessica Tate is played by Catherine Hellmond. Uh, she was in Who's the Boss, Overboard, and all the Cars movies. Mm-hmm. Burt Campbell is played by Richard Mulligan. He was the main guy in Empty Nest, but also in Oliver and Company, a few other things mm-hmm. as well. Mary Campbell is played by Catherine Damon. She was in Webster and a few other things. Chester Tate, played by Robert Mandon. Uh, he was in Days of Our Lives, Three's a Crowd. From These Roots, which is an old show. It had nearly a hundred or nearly eight hundred episodes that he was Holy in, but cow. I didn't really didn't know what that was, though. Yeah. Jody Dallas is played by Bradley Billy Crystal, who we have already brought up, obviously. And I will mention the character of Jody Dallas was one of the first sitcom characters that was openly gay on US TV. Yes. So yeah. There had been some others, or, or at least like featured character, like one of the mainish characters. Right. They had been like some one-off characters earlier in like the seventies, but those were just like literally one-off episodes. This was one of the earliest, like an actual featured character. So, yeah. Danny Dallas was played by Ted Wass, who absolutely remember him as the dad in Blossom. Yep. But he became a, a TV director, and he directed episodes of many shows like Spin City, Big Bang Theory, Mom. Recently, a mm. bunch of stuff. Okay, so. good for him. Uh, Eunice Tate was played by Jennifer Salt. Uh, she had some small roles in Midnight Cowboy, Magnum P.I., and a few other things. Uh, but she became a writer and producer on things like Nip Tuck and American Horror Story. So, oh, okay. very cool for very cool for her. Billy Tate is played by Jimmy Bayo. A few small roles, but not much. Okay. Any so. relation to Scott Bayo? Cousin. Okay. Cousin to Scott Bayo. Okay. Yep. Uh, the Major, played by... Arthur Peterson, some small roles in things like Bonanza, Green Acres, Bewitched, a whole bunch of like classic shows that he sure. would pop in on. Benson, 
played by Robert Guillaume, who we talked about in Lean on Me. Yep. And he's just a phenomenal actor in Sports Night, uh, Lion King. He played mm-hmm. Rafiki. Yeah. Um, obviously, his spinoff, Benson, was very successful. Uh, Chuck and Bob Campbell was played by Jay Johnson, uh, who we had a few other shows, but apparently I think was an actual comedian and ventriloquist. Okay. So, yeah, he actually had an act and did that kind of stuff. And this show had an announcer at the beginning of each episode. You know, they would talk about stuff. Um, and that announcer was Rod Roddy. Oh. Who was the obviously the voice of Price is Right and yep. Press Your Luck and things like that. Um, this was Rod Roddy's first TV announcing role. Okay. on Soap. So, very cool. Nice. And some other uh, people who popped in, you know, I want to mention for like an episode or a few episodes, Howard Hessman, Joe Montagna, Alan Oppenheimer, Robert England, Dick Miller, George Went, B. Arthur, James Hong. And in his first TV show role, Kirkwood Smith played Guy in Laundromat for one episode. <laughs> but this was his first uh, TV show appearance that he did. Nice. So, John... Other than the fact that we like Billy Crystal and we wanted to tie in a show with City Slickers, that's not the only reason we're talking about this because Soap is a show I remember watching on Comedy Central in reruns back in the day. And specifically, I want to call out, I remember you being a forefront guy in enjoying this show. Am I correct in remember that, remembering that? Yeah, I really loved that. And Billy Crystal was a big reason for that. Robert Guillaume was also a big reason for that because those two characters were probably my two favorite characters in the show, I just found it endlessly funny. Mm -hmm. I just remember, you know, loving it. And then when they stopped showing it, of course, you know, it wasn't until the prevalency of of, uh, streaming and stuff like that where I was able to watch it again. Actually, I think, I can't remember, I think I had to watch this on YouTube, but they had full episodes on YouTube. Yep. Um, And actually, I showed the whole family. I, I started watching this one time uh, I think it was last week or two weeks ago on like a Sunday afternoon, like I made lunch and I'm, I just, I just put it on and we all sat down and I can tell you this, my kids loved it. Oh, wow. Okay. Especially my son. Like we ended up watching like four or five episodes cause they kept wanting to know what was going to <laughs> happen because they do the thing where they're like, will this happen or will this happen? Yeah. And they're like, we have to know. Yeah. <laughs> and so we would watch the next one and the next one. I do think it fits really well with, uh, particularly I'm thinking about your son's comedy style, yeah. which is he likes the wacky. He likes the yeah. over the top silly. And this show, it's all over the top silly. Yeah. Because I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's a parody. Exactly. Of soap operas, so it's going to be over the top. All the characters are over the top, um, but it, it, you know what? I gotta say, it was still pretty funny. Like yeah. going back and listening, there were some things where I'm like, eh, "That's a, you know, that doesn't translate as well to modern times." But a lot of the yeah. stuff was still pretty funny. Yep. So yeah, it was um, as you mentioned, parody of soap operas, and soap operas are already wacky enough as they are. And if you're doing right. a parody of it, you get even crazier. So similar to soap operas, the show story it was presented in like a serial format, and they did they did like previously ons and next ons or what they're called. Right. So they the previous like like hey previously this is what happened, and then on the next episode hey maybe this is gonna happen. And I always liked you know because that was where the announcer Rod Roddy would be in, and he uh, would talk about like. You know, hey, confused, you won't be uh, on this episode or, you know, hey, find out if this is going to happen or maybe this won't happen at all on the next episode. And there were times where, yeah, they would continue that storyline that was in that episode or they would just 
totally go off into something <laughs> different and it was just totally right. other wacky and they wouldn't answer any of your questions right that kind of stuff but they had different plot lines that included an alien abduction demonic possession extramarital affairs plenty of that murder kidnapping diseases amnesia cults organized crime communist revolutions and you know all the other types of kind of affair and relationship kind of insane stuff right which you would often see on soap operas you know yeah. like people's evil twin coming back and crap like that yes yeah bert bert had an alien replicant basically of himself right. at one point so. i remember the end of the first one like one of the next on's things was well this was this Will Benson actually serve fish? And like <laughs> my kids like they're like, we have to see if Benson serves the fish. And then we never found out. They never answered that they question. Never, yeah, of course. So yeah, I mean there's these wacky things and, and stuff, just great comedy in it. I want to call it I always remembered because um I only watched one episode for this. Um mm-hmm. but immediately when Jessica Tate was kind of known for saying just really stupid wacky stuff and i she was, immediately, she was very her character was very ditzy exactly um and you know she and chester cheat on each other all the time that's entirely their relationship right and the the ventriloquist and you know chuck and bob their kind of relationship and and, and this fun stuff uh, you did mention there is a lot of racial humor gay humor sometimes at the expense of you know the 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 yeah. race or the or the person who is gay um and that wouldn't fly today it was very much product of its time yes but overall the humor definitely because the, the humor comes from the wackiness of just these stupid situations and just some yeah. of these stupid people most of it completely stands up yeah uh the show was nominated for 17 emmys it won four of them so okay. Richard Mulligan, Catherine Hellman, and Robert Guillaume all won for acting, and then the show also won for art direction. Okay. Um, apparently, there was some controversy with the show before it even came out, like the pilot inf- information about the pilot and how like, kind of like raunchy and crazy the show was, which in today's mm-hmm. standards, not at all. Yeah. <laughs> but apparently like some churches were boycotting the show and pressure they pressured some affiliates not to show it so a couple of affiliates didn't even show right. it but all this controversy also kind of helped sell it to the public that kind of thing honestly that that just tells me it's going to be a good show yeah absolutely it's pissing <laughs> if, people if off the, if the church is going to protest it i'm there yep. i want to see it exactly in the beginning of season two and three they had these 90 minute uh, retrospective clip shows that kind of went through all the madness of the season mm-hmm. before to kind of catch people up. And the intro uh, for the show was kind of a, a, a basic thing where they would talk about, uh, this is the story of two sisters. These are the Tates and these are the Campbells. And then they had a couch gag. So way before, like obviously the Simpsons couch gag is the most favorite mm-hmm. couch gag, but they kind of had all of them, you know, kind of on a pouch for like doing a family picture. And then there would right. be some like different other wacky thing that they would, that, that would happen. Like I saw, right. I kind of saw a couple of them. One, they would all start like fighting and choking each other or right. other ones where I think where they, like, they exploded in one or some different, <laughs> I don't know if it was different every episode or like every couple or something. They just had a few right. that they rotated, but they kind of shifted that up, which I thought was very funny. The show was abruptly canceled by ABC after its fourth season. Uh, it, they kind of thought that they were going to continue, but it only ended with a four. So it ended with uh, a lot of unresolved cliffhangers, which I think is perfect for the show. It doesn't really need to have stuff resolved, <laughs> yeah. but 
which included uh, the suicidal Chester preparing to kill his wife, Annie, um, and Danny after catching them in bed together. Uh, so his, his, yeah, that's kind of gross. Um, a hypnotized Jody believing he was a 90-year-old Jewish man. Uh, Bert preparing to walk into an ambush orchestrated by political enemies and Jessica about to be executed by a communist firing squad were all things that were left unresolved. Uh, And then apparently in a 1983 episode of Benson, uh, it mentions Jessica's disappearance, noting that the Tate family was seeking to have her declared dead. And in that episode, Jessica appeared as an apparition that only Benson could see and reveals that she is not dead, but in a coma somewhere in South Africa. So again, just still some wacky stuff yeah. that came through. Um, and as you mentioned, I could only find this on YouTube. Um, mm-hmm. It's not really streaming anywhere else. So I'm kind of surprised because it was more popular than I kind of remembered. Right. Uh, but yeah, that, that was the show from what I saw. It was still pretty awesome. Absolute madness. A complete, you know, parody of soap operas, I think, to a perfect degree. And other than some humor that is outdated, as I already mentioned, I think the show was pretty damn good. And I think an update Mm -hmm. on the show could be pretty successful if they did it right. You know, pay attention to, you know, some of the humor and like do just do like a fun, wacky parody on sitcoms. I think the show, unfortunately, is kind of forgotten by many. You know, I don't think enough people know about it. I agree. I, I don't know too many people who I've talked to, if I've mentioned it, that actually remembered it. But, I mean, there's some. There's clearly going to be some. It was a relatively popular show um, back then. But you're right. As far as as far as far our generation goes, we watched it on Comedy Central as a mm-hmm. rerun. I surprisingly found my... I was worried this show was not going to hold up. And, as you said, there are some jokes that do not hold up. Um, they wouldn't fly today. Overall, I think it still is pretty funny. Yeah. And there was a lot of kooky things. I, I don't know that I could like binge watch a whole bunch of episodes at once. I think one or two episodes is enough, and I'd have to kind of like go over time. Honestly, yeah. it's kind of a silly situation where it doesn't really even really matter where you join in because they're going to tell you what happened previously, and then you're going to find out what happens next anyway at the beginning and the end of each episode. So you can just kind of jump in wherever you want. And I think that was part of the reason why I liked it so much. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to follow a timeline all the time yeah. because they kind of kept you in the loop of what was happening in either way. So overall thumbs up. If you guys enjoy kind of this wacky comedy and good parodies, go check out soap. If you absolutely, if you haven't before you should. of the Blast from Our Past podcast is not brought to you by Comically Sex. If you have never watched the show, maybe you don't know how to laugh. So here are a few laughs that you can try at home. There's the nervous laugh. <laughs> the polite laugh. The big pearly Viking laugh. <laughs> the 20 packs a day laugh. Yeah. Funny. Now that you know how to laugh, join America's top comedians live for one of the biggest comedy events of the year. And then there's the laugh that only dogs can hear. Comic Relief 6, live and only on HBO. All right. Well, now we're going to do the casting portion of the show. As mentioned at the top, we are going to recast City Slickers using actors of today, and we have quite the cast to get through. Quite a few characters. Uh, We're going Mm -hmm. to do Mitch, Curly, Phil, Ed, Bonnie, Barry, Ira, Ben, Steve, and Cookie. Yeah. So quite a few ones. Uh, I didn't really feel the need to, uh, to recast the asshole 
cowboys. You yeah, just some, yeah. Get some jock looking dudes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, maybe we could have done the ranch owner, but you only see him a couple times. Mm-hmm. Could have done possibly Barbara, the wife, but yeah, but she's again only a few times. So yeah, so we just kind of go with the characters who you see for the most of it, and then I threw in Cookie for good measure, just because yeah, he's kind of a funny character, and uh, we're gonna start with him. And Adam, I'm gonna throw to you. Sure. So Cookie has definitely been hardened by <laughs> by the uh, uh, all these cattle drives, and he's just kind of a a wacky kind of character. So I wanted somebody who has played kind of wacky side characters before, kind of gruff to an extent, because Cookie is definitely a little gruff. Uh, so I went with uh, an actor who we've seen um, small role in Scrubs. I've seen him in Seinfeld as small roles. Um, he was a slightly bigger roles as a side comedic guy in the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. I went with Lee Ehrenberg as my Cookie. I looked at him. Okay, I actually did look at him. Uh, that's a that's a good call. He is a great kind of character actor. Yeah, yeah. He he can pull in the comedy, and I think he would he'd do that very well. Yeah, I like that choice. All right. Uh, I shot for the moon with my Ooh. cookie with a with an actor who uh, typically is the lead, but I think something kind of fun and quirky like this is out of his out of his common depth. But he's He's played wacky before, but he's played British wacky because uh, he is Scottish. I'd lo- and I honestly, I'd love to see him just try to do a, a little kind of Western hick accent. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it's not a big part for him, but it, maybe he'd have fun with it. I don't know why I thought of him. I went with David Tennant. Okay, interesting. I mean, I, I I'm, yeah, mostly he's done I'm wacky thinking stuff. His doctor is pretty wacky mm-hmm. from Doctor mm-hmm. Who. is is pretty wacky character, um, but he. he I think throwing him in for something like this, I think would be fun, especially because he's a little bit older now. Sure. Maybe throw a little bit of makeup on him. Maybe he'd just have fun with the role. I don't know why, but I immediately thought, man, I bet he would have fun with this. He probably would. Yeah. Cookie's a pretty comedic guy. So I, yeah, I'd be interested to see that. Uh, well, let's go to Steve Jessup, who is the son of the, uh, the father son dentist duo. Steve is crazy. Steve, <laughs> Steve is crazy, man. <laughs> uh, who did you pick? Uh, so, I, I, the guy I went with is probably too big for this role, but um, I see him all over the place uh, nowadays. He's more most recently he's done some comedy stuff. Most recently in that haunted mansion movie that didn't look very good, but the actor himself is fantastic. He's been in Atlanta. Um, I've seen him particularly in Knives Out. Uh, some of the I think he's been in at least one of the Jordan Peele movies, if not. A couple of them, uh, but his name is Lakeith Stanfield. I like him a lot as an actor, and so I think he would be my Jessup. I I think I've used him once or twice before. Yeah, I think I'm trying to remember says, what I've seen him from. I did see Knives Out. Yeah, no problems with that. Okay, no problems with that at all. Yeah, I went with someone who also might be too big for this role. Mostly, he's played like side character. He was a lead on a sitcom when he was young. Um, but mostly he's kind of played side characters, um, but he's also pretty big now, uh, especially since the success of Abbott Elementary, which we uh, watched yeah. a little bit of. And he's it, it, that whole show is actually pretty funny. I just kind of after a while, after a while, I kind of got sick of the same humor over and over again. Okay. Um, but it was still f- like a funny show. Uh, I went with Taylor James Williams. Yeah. Uh, or Tyler, I mean, excuse me. Tyler, Tyler James, James Williams. Yep. Yep. 
And he wasn't wasn't he in Everybody Hates Was he in Everybody Hates Chris? As a kid? Yeah, he played yeah, yeah, yeah. he played the main character. So, I mean, he's well. I mean, we picked two actors who are right around the same age range. I think yeah. they both have done comedy and other stuff before. I think that's a great call. Okay. I guess then maybe a little bit too big for him, but who yeah. knows? Maybe it's yeah. a chance to have fun with it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, ben, the father. Oh, I'll go ahead and jump in with my Ben. I actually had a hard time with this sure. one, finding someone. So um, I went with someone who I just know is a good actor and could hopefully have fun uh, with it. Um, he spent a long time on two shows, that uh, one that I watched periodically and one that I watched pretty regularly, at least for the first few seasons. Uh, probably he's best known as Detective Ed Green from Law and Order, but he was also a fantastic Joe West on The Flash. I went with Jesse L. Martin. Okay, I have I've seen him in Rent. Oh yeah, and this so he he is a better age range than I think the guy I chose. Um, yeah, Law and Order. Yes, I do remember him from Law and Order and stuff. So yeah, yeah, yeah that's a that's a really good call. Yes. Okay. So he yeah, would he's be a, yeah he would have been like most. Yeah, if, mm-hmm. I was just say, I mean, mostly you know, on a lot of his dramatic stuff. The Flash had a little bit of comedy in it, so you know he can branch it here. He can have a little bit more fun, a little open free and stuff like that. So, sure. Uh, who did you pick? So the guy I picked could be the dad to your guy, and maybe my guy is the grandfather, and he's taking his grandson out instead of his <laughs> son. Or you de not de age, but you know, like put on some makeup and dye the hair. This actor, we both love him. And he can definitely do whatever we need. He could be like the genuine guy that we just enjoy, um, you know, because Ben Jessup was a very sweet, genuine dude. Mm-hmm. This actor is he's a great actor. He can he can elevate that if we need to. Right. I went with Joe Morton as my Ben Jessup. OK, he's a little bit old. He's older. He's like 20 years older than your guy. Um, so maybe, you know. Maybe even more than that, but but uh, so he could be the grandfather, and this is he's taking his grandson out, or like I said, or you just kind of dye his hair and he'll be fine. We'll figure uh, it out. I mean, I'd still I'd still believe it. Okay, I'll take it. I'd still believe it. I'm fine with that. I don't I don't really I don't even think you really need to change that. I think you can okay. still do father son. I'm, okay. I'm I'm fine with that. All right, Ira Shalowitz. So Barry and Ira had kind of like a an almost like um, Laurel and Hardy, yeah, yeah, kind of look to them. There's always like the short fat guy and the tall skinny guy mm-hmm. when they're paired, and that's kind of what you had here. I was at first I was kind of like, oh, I need to try to adhere to that. I didn't really end up doing that. I just kind of went with two actors. Um, I was specifically looking for character actors, and I was specifically trying to look for Jewish actors because sure. they clearly were yes. meant to be Jewish parody. And both, I think both of the original actors are Jewish. I, I think so, so. Yeah. But they were fantastic character actors. And I don't, you're not going to find anyone that really looks like them now. Like they have very distinct faces. Yes. So um, I just looked around for some character actors and I think I found some, at least some decent uh, ones. So for Ira, uh, I went with an actor named Peter Jacobson, who I've seen in a hundred different things as a hundred different character actors. Oh, he does look, he absolutely looks familiar to me as well. Yeah. I haven't really seen house much, but I see he was in a bunch of that bunch of other stuff. So, Oh, he was in, in Ahsoka in an episode. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, I, he was, I, I've seen him around, so I'm sure he could do it. Yeah. I remember in Ahsoka, he was the, uh, 
it was one of the early episodes is when they went to the one planet where the ring was being made. Yeah. And he was like the oh, administrative yes. guy that, that they were guy, kind of arguing yeah. with. Right before they, is it that, that guy said, for the Empire, and tried to kill Ahsoka. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was right before that. Yep. Okay. Uh, I, okay. Yeah, I kind of I did try to keep to that Laurel and Hardy sure. look. But I also did try to stick to um, Jewish actors. I know, I know one of my actors is definitely Jewish. The other one, I'm not so sure. But my Ira is definitely Jewish. And he's got the skinny kind of vibe that our other Ira had. And he's done tons of comedic stuff. Um, and I think he's a hilarious dude, very skinny, but just funny guy. He might be a little bit younger than some of my other guys. He's not all that young, though. I'm pretty sure he was born in the 70s. So um, I think, yeah, he'll be he'll be fine. He'll you know, he can play late 30s, early 40s. Oh, wait, yeah, he's born. Yeah, he's born a day before you were. So he can Sweet. definitely play 40s. Sure. <laughs> literally, <laughs> literally one day before you. Um, you'll know him. Uh, because he's best known as Howard Wolowitz in Big Bang Theory, but he has done tons of comedic stuff. I went with Simon Helberg. That's a good call. That's a very good yeah. call. That's a very good okay. call. I don't know why I didn't think of that. I think in my head they still all look younger than me. I forget that they're all like they're <laughs> I, I all have that vibe. <laughs> yeah, they're all our age. Yeah. So okay, yeah, yeah, no, that's a great one. Uh, well, then why don't you go ahead and just lead right into your Barry? Sure. And so I wanted a bigger guy because Barry's the bigger dude. Mm-hmm. Um. And he's, I mean, they're both very funny. This guy, I'm not sure if he's Jewish or not, but he has been uh, particularly funny. Now, he is a little bit older than Simon Hilberg, but he's the older, I'll say he's the older brother in this one. You know, it doesn't really matter. And again, we'll make it work. This guy is better known for his chili cooking prowess than he is his ice cream prowess. But I do think he does a lot of good comedy stuff. And from what I've heard, he's also great on cameo. I went with Brian Baumgartner from The Office. Uh, as okay. my Barry Shalowitz. That's a that's a good call. Okay, that's a good call. I like that. Right, uh, yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah, played Kevin in the obviously yep. the big kind of the big accountant guy. Yep. I think my can. I think I might. Or sorry. I think my Barry. I think ended up going a little bit older than I should have. But I mean, there's nothing to say that um, that Ira and Barry are are limited to a certain age. Uh, he's a character actor I've seen in a hundred different things, and his name is Ken Lerner. Ken, oh, I absolutely have seen him before. Yeah, he's—I mean, he's definitely older, um, but we'll make it work. It doesn't matter. It could be a father-son duo instead, or whatever. Sure, or, we'll or make it work. Make it work. I have seen him. I've seen him. Obviously, Scrubs is <laughs> some that I immediately think of. Yeah. Uh, when I see him, the kind of like that sitcom episode he played, like the sitcom writer, and he's been in Goldbergs as well. Yeah, I, I like him a lot as an actor. Okay. I think, I, you know, for one of these smaller roles, I'm sure he'd work fine. Absolutely. Uh, okay, Bonnie. Let's go to your Bonnie. All right. So, Bonnie was uh, played by Helen Slater, and she was just kind of, you know, I don't know, potentially the appeal for Phil down the line. Maybe they do something. But she had some, right. she was a very genuine, nice person. Yeah. And Helen Slater, I always kind of forget Helen Slater didn't do much, but then I keep seeing her pop up in some things here and there, small roles and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, and so. I kind of went with the idea of, you know what? I want another kind of superhero uh, from back in the day-ish uh, who has kind of been quiet more recently. Kind of like how she was a superhero and then got fairly quiet with some of her stuff. Um, this actress, I think, has almost a Helen Slater look to her. And I was definitely crushed on her back in the day. Oh, she... I was, was going to say, did she also play Supergirl? No, she didn't play Supergirl. Oh, okay, so it's not who I was thinking of. No, uh, she played a vampire hunter. Buffy the Vampire Hunter. Oh, I went with Sarah Michelle Geller as my. Bonnie I like Raven. that. Okay. I like that. Bring her back. 
Yeah, that's a good call. I like that. Cool. I I did not go with a superhero, but I did go with somebody who's currently married to a superhero. I don't really need to lead too much into. I went with Blake Lively. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, she, she's married to Ryan Reynolds. Yep, married to Ryan Reynolds. She's uh, about the right age. Um, she's in she's 87, so she's going to be in her mid-30s right now, which is probably yeah. about the right time probably. for what uh, what Bonnie's character was. She's cute. She's nice. That's kind of everything Bonnie is. I mean, Bonnie yeah. doesn't do too much no, in the movie. They, they could have given her some more depth. I agree, and maybe we can do that in a, in a remake, but I thought uh, Li- Blake Lively would work yeah. just as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Mine, mine is a little bit more, a little bit older, like around around the same age as honestly my, the rest of my guys. Where right. yours is kind of probably a little bit more like how it was in the movie, where Helen Slater was a little bit probably younger. Right. So, uh, all right, Ed. Uh, I had a little bit of a tough time with Ed because because uh, Bruno Kirby did uh, you know he did such a fantastic job, which I actually found out he and Jack Palance died the same year. Oh wow. Yeah, 2006. Very yeah, it's unfortunate. And so I had a hard time going around. I was like, because, well, you know, Ed, I think Bruno Kirby was Italian, so they kind of put Ed Farrell as this kind of Italian guy. I didn't end up going with Italian, but I did go with someone with a, I guess, technically Spanish background, if you want to spin it that way. Um, but he can play it however you want, because he's funny as hell. I went with Michael Pena. He was one of the ones I wrote down. I went with him fairly recently, so I'm like, I can't sure. go with Pena again, but he it fe- was... It almost feels like a cop-out to go back to him, but he's yeah. so damn good. He was the first name I thought of, honestly, for this role, but I I only didn't really go with him because I had gone sure. with him recently, so that's a great call. Sure. All right, who did you go with then? So I went with um, another... I also went with a Hispanic actor as well. I mean, I know, yeah, he's supposed to be kind of a more Italian, but I thought you know Spanish yeah, we works. can change it up it doesn't matter yeah exactly um I think my guy is maybe a little bit older than Michael Pena actually I'm not sure how much if he is um he is as I'm looking this up very briefly oh one year older than Michael Pena so that doesn't matter okay so he's around the same age this kind of yeah this mid 40s kind yeah. of mid to late 40s is kind of where I'm having this happen for my guys and he is much more known as a dramatic actor, but I've seen him do plenty of comedic stuff, honestly, between, what was it, the, uh, the, the not the Kingsguard, the Kingsman, the second movie that has action and also comedy kind of to it. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a very funny skits when he hosted SNL. You know him, of course, from The Mandalorian, but also um, was the zombie show. The Last of Us. Last of Us. Uh, I want Pedro Pascal as my Ed Furillo. That's an interesting call. I would like to see yep. him in something like this because this is not anything really yeah. seen him do, but he's proven that he can be funny. Yeah. So that's exactly. a, that's a, that's, that, this would be, I think, a great vehicle mm-hmm. for him to really, you know, stretch those shops and uh, would uh, reunite with uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer oh, yeah. because that was one of the first shows he did. Was, hey, very cool. He was an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer when he was younger. Love it. Uh, all right. Uh, Phil, I'll go ahead and jump in with my Phil, I guess. I don't know. I'm not, I'm, I'm not really paying attention to what the back and forth was. I actually had a really hard time with Phil because man, Daniel Stern just nailed it. And there's, I don't, there's not that many actors that are like him. I mean, maybe you could say, uh, Chris Elliott. Yeah, but yeah, similar, but but he's the same age as Daniel Stern. (laughs) So at that point it's too much. I think a lot of people kind of confuse the two of them. Honestly, I, maybe I did when I was younger. I agree, but 
I need to go with someone. So I was I went for someone who is in he's in his mid forties right now, and I think he's kind of playing a neurotic character on a show that he is show running, uh, which I have not seen, but my wife has and actually says it's pretty dang funny. And I forget the name of the show, uh, but I went with Jason Siegel. Oh, okay. I like that. I didn't I didn't think about him. But I, I think he can play a perfect kind of neurotic side guy. I mean, yeah, great mm-hmm. from uh, How I Met Your Mother. Uh, haven't yeah, haven't seen him do kind of comedic acting stuff in a in a hot minute. I feel the one uh, the one show he is on. I think he plays a psychologist psychiatrist. Uh, Harrison Ford is actually on it. Oh, and it's actually pretty funny. I have seen a few scenes of my wife watching it, and I don't know. I'm I find I'm I'm finding my tension span lately has been geared towards more video games than it has been shows or anything. Yeah, like that. I, I done the same with. Sometimes you, yeah. you just get into a game and you just you just that's all you want to do. Yeah. Um, but that that show seems pretty funny, and and he's a kind of neurotic a little bit on that show. It's like you know what? I'd like to see Jason Segel come back into some films. Yeah, I like that. Uh, who'd you pick? My guy, I mean, he's maybe a little... I think my guy is actually 51, but he can play mid-40s. I'm sure that won't be a problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, and I think he actually kind of fits some neurotic... He's actually a little bit very confident and awesome in the show that we know him from. Uh, but I think he could definitely play a more Phil-like n- neuroses. And I think he just kind of... Maybe because he maybe has a hint of Daniel Stern look to him. I don't know. Maybe not. I went with Brendan Hunt from Ted Lasso. He plays Beard. Oh, I like that a lot. Okay. I like that a lot. I think, I think, because uh, I think Brandon, uh, Brendan Hunt has, has been more, he's been more of sort of a writer than anything uh-huh. else, and, and he just kind of acts as they need to. I think, I think uh, Ted Lasso really showed that he also has acting chops, and it would be yeah. good to see him do something out of this. Maybe yeah, he could help co write the script. Yeah, yeah, that would totally make sense. I'd, I'd totally see him doing that. Maybe him and Jason Siegel could get together and, and do a little bit of writing on that. Who knows? Yeah. We'll see. Actually, and and my uh, and my Mitch, we can talk about that later. Oh, that's a good call. Uh, okay, Curly, I'm going to have you go first on Curly. Yeah, I had a little little trouble with my Curly at first, and I looked around and I you know I'll, I'll I'll throw out I thought of somebody like Sam Elliott, but Sam Elliott's too chill for me. Like I've never seen him as like the intimidating guy. You know, every time I see him, he's like the calm kind of collective. Like he, when I think of like classic Western style people, right? So I wanted someone who I think could still have some intimidation. And even though yeah, this guy has played the dude and some other great stuff, he's a fantastic actor. He also played um, Rooster Cogburn in the True Grit remake, and he did a fantastic job of that. I went with Jeff Bridges as my Curly. That is a great call. Okay. He's, he's about the right age. Yeah. He's got the right attitude to play the uh, surly, you know, old old hand and stuff like that. I think I think that's a great call. Cool. I thought you were uh, going to say because I also chose. Jeff no, Bridges. I didn't. Uh. I didn't. Um, I but I also had a hard time at first trying okay. to find the right call. I also thought of Sam Elliott, and I was like, it's it's, it's like it's almost too obvious. Mm-hmm. And I kind of went to the well of the Yellowstone guys, and then I thought of this guy, and I was like, you know what? I think this would be great. He's he's like eighty one now. Curly only has a little bit of limited screen time. Mm-hmm. We can make it work for this guy. He hasn't been in anything since twenty eighteen, and I don't know oh. if that's an active retirement choice or whatnot. And if it is. Maybe we can maybe we could kickstart some money to to convince this guy to come back for this because I think 
he has the right attitude to play at Curly. I went with Chris Christofferson. Oh, he absolutely has the right mentality and the right look and the right vibe. Yeah. I love that call. I think I I think uh, you know he he's shown us with with various things that we've seen him in. We talked uh, Lone Star. He was great in that. Mm-hmm. You know, we loved him in the Blade movie. Even though the Blade yeah. movies are kind of over the top and stuff like that, we loved him in that. I think he's yeah. got that right kind of surly old man yeah. attitude. Just to you know, and is intimidating enough to be believable as even, Curly, even as a like Jack Palance, even as a super old dude, Chris Christopherson is not someone I would fuck with. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. Okay, cool. Uh, all right, Mitch, I'm gonna jump in with my Mitch. This was the one I had the hardest time. Sure, there is no Billy Crystal other than Billy Crystal. It's hard to find someone. So you're going to have to find someone who's going to bring their attitude towards it. I don't know if I was just thinking recently because this show just ended or whatnot. Maybe, you know, maybe we need to find something for him to do. Um, I went with Jason Sudeikis. John, I went with Jason Sudeikis. Okay. We've I, had the same Mitch. And he, he's got a great – he does comedy and – and heartfelt stuff in his yeah. things as well. So, and that was—I think I was thinking a lot of that is it's comedy and heart, which we totally saw with Ted Lasso. Yes, it's, from now on, it's going to be very hard for me to. I think the one good thing about Jason Sudeikis is when you see him now, he never has the Ted Lasso mustache, so it's easy to separate yeah. him from that character. Yes, because now you know, I almost now just automatically think Ted Lasso when I hear his name. But he is an actor and can do multiple different oh, things. Yeah. He's done lots of funny stuff. He was great on SNL. I think this would be a good vehicle for him. I don't think his Mitch will be the same. No. As much, but we can put the same comedy and heart into it. Yeah. So, and I, I just wanted to add in. I had one more kind of casting, uh, if you will, more of like a crewing. Okay. I since I had Brendan Hunt and Jason Sudeikis, I was going to have also Bill Lawrence write the show, write this movie with them. Okay. Kind of bring I'm, them all together for yeah, you. Yeah, that'd be good. That'd yeah. be good. Man, I had a hard time casting this, but at the end I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. Yeah, I, I could, I could, I mean, not to say this is needed, because I really, I mean, we really just enjoyed the first one, but, yeah. you know, it also kind of, we don't really cast, we don't seem to cast comedies all that much. Yeah. For So this was a fun one to kind of do, and, and this is a great movie with great heart um, and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I, I did enjoy this, and I think we got ourselves some pretty damn good potential City Slicker revamps. I agree. All right, that was our recasting of City Slickers. Please join us next time for another Top 10 episode. This time, John and I give you our Top 10 favorite underrated songs. Basically, we just give you some like artists and songs that we actually highly recommend. Simple as that. Enjoy. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. Comic books? Me too. Hi, I'm John. 
Join me over at the Comics Underground podcast, where I invite guests to discuss their favorite comic books, graphic novels, manga, and more. Go to bfopnetwork.com for more info or find me on your favorite podcatcher. I'll see you there.